Hello, and welcome to Cosmic Cassette, an exploration into the sonic unknown. I'll be inviting the artists, DJs, producers, and labels who carry the mantle for sound across the musical sphere. I'll be asking my guests to pick five tracks that were particularly formative in their musical journey and which they would like to send up to space on a cassette tape to teach a newly discovered alien life force about life on Earth. My name is Matt Redley, the host of the podcast. I'm a music obsessive and a lover of all things otherworldly, and I'm looking forward to exploring new worlds in sound with you. We'll journey through galaxies and past stars together to send my guest transmissions to our extraterrestrial friends. For rights reasons, this podcast includes a jingle instead of the music. But to hear this episode with the music included, head to CosmicCassette.com to hear this and all other episodes, or search Cosmic Cassette on SoundCloud. My guest is a North London-based DJ, producer, and Rinse FM resident who lives and breathes music and who goes by the name of Louis Redley, or you might know him under his DJ name, Mr. Redley. He started producing at the young age of 16 and started practicing DJing in Manchester before moving back to London to work in music. There, he dived into radio and hasn't stopped since, starting his radio show Café Olay in 2015, where he selected club-focused electronic music with a heavy groove. On his current Rinse FM show, he showcases black electronic music, a love and passion of his. His show, Black Wine Club, shares the same name of another project he runs, where he offers followers guidance on how best to pair electronic music and fine vintage wine. Although a musical sommelier of sorts, he's a man on the stage and also behind the scenes. Having worked as an assistant producer on BBC Six Music, with the likes of Giles Peterson, Marianne Hobbs, and Tom Ravenscroft. Alongside working as a label assistant at Apron Records and dabbling in music production for documentaries, he is a man of many talents. I hope you enjoy. Thanks so much for coming on to Cosmic Cassette. Thanks for having me. No worries. It's great to have you on. I love the concept behind Black Wine Club, which is pairing two things which don't go together enough, but which are such a natural pairing. You've got a quote on the website, which is, and I love this quote, wine and music are like a power couple. They're better together and always make things lit. (laughs) What sparked that idea? And what what made you kind of think that those should go together in that way? So I started working in wine in about 2016. I had a really bad bike crash. Prior to that, I was working in a bicycle shop. And I was off work for a really long time. And afterwards, I was pretty low, couldn't really do much physically. And I kind of needed a change of scene. And so this wine shop opened up across the road from the bike shop. And I 
left <laughs> and I, I went to the wine shop and I said, oh, do you have a job? And they said, yeah, sure. I knew a little bit about wine, but I didn't know anything near what I know today. And I started working in that wine shop. It's on Holloway Road. I worked there until beginning of 2022 or something like that. So I worked there for like about six years in total. And I got to learn about wine, which was fantastic. However, I was one of the only, like, I was one of the only members of staff that were, were was a person of colour. And I noticed that lots of people of colour coming into the shop quite timid or, or shy or felt out of the debt. Well, I could just see it kind of in the, in the way that they were holding themselves in the shop. I think that's because they didn't really know necessarily much about wine or they felt that it was an imposing place and that people would kind of laugh at them or be a bit judgmental, which is generally the attitude that comes across in the, in the wine industry. You know, it's changed slightly, I think, over the last few years because it's become more accessible. I guess it's become more fashionable is the word that I'm looking for. So, yeah, it was like, how can I make things a bit easier and how can I make people feel not so uncomfortable about wine? Because I know about wine, so why shouldn't you know about wine and you shouldn't have to feel uncomfortable in just trying to discover new things? And obviously, I've been DJing for a really long time and I've got a, a massive affinity for electronic music. And a lot of the time, we'd put on my radio show in the shop because... My colleagues really liked the same kind of music and with the Cafe LA show, they really liked the, the eclecticism that you know, came with the show a lot of the time. And so a lot of them would, would fit really nicely with like kind of just the vibe of the shop. And, and then it made me think, okay, how can I do something different than just the normal wine tastings or hipsterish natural wine edge or like branding or look that I think, you know, has become synonymous with that area of wine. And I thought, okay, well, how about I pair two knowledges together, use one knowledge to help the other. And so that's kind of where the concept of Black Wine Club came from. It's like using electronic music steeped in black history or primarily black electronic music. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's about all fantastic music. And I thought, yeah, let's find a way to pair those together. And that's, and that's where Black Wine Club was born, so to speak. Sick. Yeah. And do you run it with another of your mates or is it just you? I do. I've got a business partner. His name is JR. We wanted to move quite quickly, but it became apparent that if you want to do it right and you want it to be successful and not just this little thing, then you have to give it some time. So it's, it's been a bit slower getting it off the ground, but I think it's going to be successful and hopefully we can change the mindset of the market a bit and also kind of like society about wine isn't just Caucasian. <laughs> I hate to say it like that, but it, that is what it is. So I'm just trying to make a bit of a difference in a unique way to something that we can all in, enjoy, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so great that you're able to channel your passion into a project, hopefully going to change lives, as you say. And it must just come from a very easy place. Like if you can tap into that passion, then it can just, I guess, flow into the project really easily rather than feel like you're pushing it uphill. Massively, I, I think when you find something that you like and then you kind of begin to love it and, and then you work out ways in which that thing can also bring other people joy. I, I'm trying to find a fine line because I'm not trying to be like, oh, glorifying alcohol and it being like, it's the best thing in the world because I know that it is damaging. But I also find that there's something really unique about wine versus kind of other alcohols and just as a as a creation it's so much better when you when you share it with other people 
and you try it together and then you pair it with something like music, you know, and you just sit and you have a conversation or you you break bread and you have delicious food together and you pair that wine with delicious food and you've got some fantastic music. And it might just be like a Wednesday evening, but even if it doesn't come across at the time, those moments that you share with your friends are so important for for you as a person to to grow and be yourself and be happy. And I find I find that that's something that runs through a lot of my life is not seeking happiness, but like being happy amongst other people and the people that are close to me and, and wine, you know, dr- drunk responsibly, but shared with good wine, shared with good friends, with good music. It's like, there's nothing better, you know, that's what I've discovered. And that's what I kind of want to share with other people, you know. That's really interesting what you say about the kind of hunger almost to be amongst friends and to share those experiences you've obviously recognized in yourself that feeling of like really vibing off a group in which you're in which I guess is something that the DJing is part of in terms of the production did you have a moment at which you thought like oh I'm going to give this a go and then you just dived into something early on it's funny because I first touched Logic when I was about 13. So that would have been like eMagic 4.9. It was like on an RM computer. And that was really weird. Back when you used to have the Yamaha keyboard and just be hitting like DJ, DJ, you know, and all of the, all of the other different little sounds. But then I guess it was when, when I was 14 or 15 when I did my music GCSE. That's kind of when I started producing a little bit. And then I did music tech for sixth form. And that was where I started really trying to experiment and then it kind of just fell by the wayside for a really long time and then I think I got back from university I started to take it a bit more seriously but yeah then the lockdown happened and I just kind of I didn't really know what to do by this point I was trying to DJ you know and it was slowly getting there and and I was freelancing for the BBC and then it, it kind of hit you know so all I could do is like carry on doing radio and then tinkering about making tunes and then from there it's slowly been getting better um it's funny because actually i look back and i found lots of music that i made three or four years ago and i said this is this is all right but shelve this and come back to it in three four years when you've got more more knowledge and and i've stumbled across a couple of those tracks and have actually been able to kind of like finish them off oh that must be insanely satisfying yeah, it really is. It really is. It's weird because I, I did what I said to myself, you know, like, oh, I'll put this aside and come back to it when you got more skills. I, I don't think I make enough music like each week to gain more skills, but I somehow still gain more skills and it's working and I'm finishing these bits of music and there's a lot more that I finish now and I'm like excited for more. I played some stuff at We Out Here Festival that really went off. So then I played some of the tracks again in Germany and I've been tinkering with a tune that I originally made with Medlar and I've basically made it into a, I made a fully new track. I played it as well in Germany and it had a really good reception and it's really heartwarming to know that my music isn't bad. (laughs) I don't know, maybe this is a confidence thing. I'm always trying to build my, my own, my confidence in myself and my productions, but it's nice to see it in reality, like, oh, I put time and effort into this and oh, actually people are like losing their shit to it or they're, they're really just going for it. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe you should have a little bit more confidence in yourself. I wonder if you think that um, the social media element of DJing kind of plays into your mindset there, because 
whenever you see DJs on social media, you know, they're playing a tune and it's absolutely popping off. Maybe it's one of their things. And you, there might be a kind of element of comparison that slips in there or thinking like, oh, there's this track that's going off here. Like, and then thinking about your own production. Does that factor in at all? Not to do with my productions, but wholeheartedly with being a DJ, I think that social media is extremely unhealthy, at least for me. And it does have a really big effect on my mental health. I think I've got considerably better than I used to in terms of comparing myself to others. But I think, yes, I would agree that social media has a big impact on like one's confidence. And it's really difficult to kind of to counter that. But, you know, if you put certain like processes in place to protect yourself, then you'll be in a much better position to kind of tackle the music industry, so to speak, <laughs> which is like, you know, exercise, eat well, people don't like meditation, but working out whatever form of meditation works for you, but doing some meditation and surrounding yourself with like, with, with great people. For sure, man. Lee, let's have your first track that you're going to send up to space to teach our alien life force about life on Earth. Yeah, this first one is Black Renaissance by Harry Whittaker, which is my favourite jazz album. There's only two tracks in the whole album. There's a 23-minute side, which is this one, and then there's, there's the other side, which is like 16 minutes long. But this, this, this track, this side, yeah, this is the one for me. I was recommended it in a record shop in Manchester when I was studying up there. And, and I've treasured this record ever since. It's, it's just 20 minutes of emotions, relationships, freedom of expression, and all tied together by the sound of the double bass. And I mentioned that because uh, I was classically trained in the double bass from like five to 18. And so when I hear, when I hear the double bass being played, it kind of just takes over my body and it gets my full attention. A bit of story behind it is that the whole album is an amalgamation of friends, ex-girlfriends, I believe his wife and people that he'd met along his career and throughout his life. And he got them all together to record this incredible piece of music in one take, in one room. And, you know, it just reminds me of my past, like going to music school every Saturday, but also my friendships and my family and partners that I've had throughout my life. And it's just an incredible piece of music. And once you put it on and you sit back and you, and you, and you kind of like submit yourself to the music, it's a truly beautiful piece of work. Yeah, that's wicked, man. Just such amazing kind of swirling track and the 20 minutes kind of gives it a sort of hypnotic feel. On the double bass that you played, that sounds like a huge commitment from five to like the middle of your teenage years. Do you still pick it up today and like what's your connection to it now? Yeah, it's just a bit sad at the moment that I don't pick it up and and I, I, I really need to and it's something that's kind of a long-term goal but it's a more, when I say like shorter term as in the next year or two, that's my aim to be picking it up again but it was a massive commitment and it was a massive commitment because, you know, that was basically my whole childhood was spent playing this instrument. But yeah, every Saturday, pretty much without fail. And so I kind of didn't have weekends like other people did, but it really did make me who I am today. And as much as I kind of missed 
having weekends like other kids, I wouldn't change it. I, I started off in a pilot scheme for what's now the Junior Academy of Music at the Royal Academy. But I think after like three years, I had to, I had to leave because there were no more double bass students to, to teach me. So I moved to the Center for Young Musicians in, in North Lambeth. And I met so many incredible people there that was incredibly influential in all my life. And, you know, the adults there giving up their, their weekends, you know, to, to teach us and stuff. It really, it really kind of gave me a grounding that I didn't know that I needed. And it really kind of opened me up to, to other music and meet avant-garde kind of like teachers and stuff, you know. Never met so many enthusiastic people in one place week in week out for like over 13 years but yeah the double bass as a result has a big, a big influence and a big drive over my life and and as a result you know you kind of see where they are the tracks that yeah it kind of really takes over but yeah i love it i do love it nice there must have been days though when i don't know your mates were like oh like do you want to come do this thing and Maybe you just had like such a routine, such a dedication to doing it that there must have been days when it must have been really annoying that you were there. But then other days when you just sunk into the craft and you really, like a sponge almost, were around so many people that kind of nurtured that interest. It must have been a kind of a a real mix of experiences, especially as such a young person. All the time. Especially like later, later on in my inverted commas studies, you know, I was, I was starting to rave a lot more and, you know, on a Friday night and couldn't exactly like, well, I would go sometimes, but sometimes couldn't hack going to music school on a Saturday kind of thing. But, you know, it's, I, I would still go when I, when I could, but yeah, there were times when you were like, oh, really don't want to be here right now, you know? But I still went like every weekend and I sat in the orchestra and I played like my heart out. And then I went to like choir because you had to do choir. It was all compulsory until you got to sixth form. I met some some really amazing people that, you know, changed my life for the better just by being in my life. And that wouldn't have happened if I didn't go to music school every Saturday. So, yeah. Definitely not. And it feels like, yeah, that muscle which you've developed over the years is ready and waiting to well, I know you're doing it in your production anyway but it might feed into your production in the future exactly yeah I have some things that I need to work on in myself and and then I can create some some more time for me in the double bass I realized fairly recently that you know doing too much at once you're just going to burn out and it was I was like really teetering on the edge and doing so many different things. And so I think, you know, you kind of just have to take bit by bit, you know, you can't do everything at once. And I think that's why I'm like, okay, I want to work towards bringing it in soon, not right now. But I think, you know, have a, have a, a winning attitude and like, you know, try and chase your dreams and making music with the double bass is definitely a dream of mine. So it's, it, it, it's definitely, it's definitely happening. Just, just not this second. For sure. You must have started early. That must have come from your parents who might have like suggested that you get into it. Was that how it started? No, actually, I think it kind of started as a, sounds really weird, baby clapping class. So like, I guess 
I must have been like three and we'd, we'd all go and we'd sit like in a circle with our mums and then 85 we got to pick an instrument and I wanted to play the violin because that's what I knew and then I remember this so vividly I was like playing with my toy cars on this rug in, in the living room in the old flat where I grew up with my mum and, and my dad and, and the woman who ran the class called and she basically said oh yeah look we've got two double bases coming over on a ship from the United States and we can't find anyone to play them. We were wondering if Louie would be interested. And my mom kind of said, oh, look, it's Wendy on the phone. She wants to know if you want to try the double bass instead of the violin. And I said, oh, you know, smashing my cars together. If I don't like it, can I, can I switch to the violin? <laughs> and my mom made this brilliant executive <laughs> to lie to my face. <laughs> and, and that was it. And then I started learning the double bass and uh, I couldn't change. And, uh, and the rest is history. So yeah, ripe old age of five. It was weird, but actually, you know, it's great. When you're, when you're at a concert, and you're a kid and you're not that crap. Maybe you are, but like when you're in an orchestra, it's a collective, you play as one. And I just remember being like really excited for the, some of the concerts. Some of them I didn't really want to be at and others you're just like, actually, yeah, this is really fun. Sounds it's, a bit uh, like the coming back to the the wine club and the, the kind of the love of the group feels like you might have just spotted that kind of love of being amongst people, creating something special. Yeah, I mean... It's funny, I was raised as an only child. I've got siblings now, they're like between 11 and 16 years younger than me. But I had loads of friends when I was young and stuff and, and still now, but I felt really kind of like, you know, on my own. And so it's always nice to like be in a group, you know, a lot of what I do is quite solitary in terms of being behind the booth, being in the studio, and and I just like, I enjoy other people's company. And, you know, it, at times it's been really difficult. And and so if I can kind of bring people together and, and bring some joy to a group of friends, then I'll try and do that as much as possible. And it kind of like links directly with my DJing. DJing is, is quite selfish, but it's also selfless because you might turn up somewhere and you know nobody you turn up at this spot and you don't know anyone you, you kind of have to play for yourself and that that's where the selfishness comes from but then that's where the selfishness stops because you're playing tunes that you want to play for yourself because you enjoy these tracks and you want to hear them on a system and you want to feel the bass but then you also want to create this vibe so that people can lose themselves and dance and feel free and most importantly feel happy or at the very least help shed some of that that grief that sadness whatever it may be you know i'm no doctor i'm no paramedic but you know, but providing good music to people is important stuff definitely and i mean just just thinking about you as a dj specifically you bring so much joy and energy on the decks i've seen just how much you in the joy that you want to sharing the experience with other people like just so much physical energy that and with like such a big smile on your face that you like people around you just can't help but share in that energy and joy I think it's a good time to come back to the conversation we had on the double bass and to hear your second track that you're going to be sending up to space 
Yeah, it is Free Your Mind by Black Jazz Consortium, which I also got recommended probably back in like, I think it was 2012. It's just an incredible track, probably my favorite house track. There are many other fantastic ones, but for me, for some reason, every time I hear it, it kind of just takes over all of me. And a good reasoning behind that is probably because of the, the, the double bass that's used in it. And I studied it from such a young age. And at any time that I hear the use of the double bass in the track, then it generally very much captivates me and I'm hooked instantly. I don't put, play it in too many sets because I find it so personal that I don't want to, I don't want to get sick of it. And not that I would really like play it all the time because it's a very unique track, but, but yeah, it is, it's, it's special to me. And, and, and funny enough, I've been listening to it for a while. And then my partner at the time bought me it on record after I showed it to her. And I'll be forever grateful for her buying it for me on record for my birthday. Yeah, but a fantastic tune. And that is Free Your Mind by Black Jazz Consortium featuring Monaco. Yeah, that idea of kind of opening up yourself to someone is a very evocative thought. It's got quite a simple line in it, doesn't it? I think it just has that repeating line about freeing yourself up. Was there... Was there a moment in your life when that line really like hit home? Yeah, in my latest relationship, I felt that a lot. Didn't listen to this tune too much then because I, I don't know, I didn't feel like I needed to. It, it came quite naturally. But also with friends as well, there's just times where the moment just feels so right and you kind of, I just want to listen to it because I find it so calming. But uh, yeah, to answer your question in short, my most recent relationship was where this kind of this track really lent into its itself you know yeah it was a special time definitely and this kind of like this track embodies that in many ways yeah nice and i guess this one you didn't pick up necessarily in manchester in the record shop as well or maybe this was in a different one was it in manchester yes it was the same record shop (laughs) it was eastern block records i was yeah so i was studying up in manchester and and I was working, but not too much. I had some student loan and I would just kind of spend as, as, as much money as I could that was going spare in that record shop. I'd always go digging. There's loads of great record shops in Manchester, but that one, I kind of just, I liked the vibe. I liked the people there. It just seemed super welcoming and became, like I said, became friends with them. But, you know, you don't always, you get, you get recommended loads of stuff and then, and then you don't necessarily, you don't, you don't keep it or you take a picture of it and you're like, I'm not feeling that today. And then one day you're like, I need this track in my life. But it's funny how some places, some record shops have such a kind of pull over your lives, you know, at certain times. And Eastern Block certainly did. Still a fantastic record shop. Yeah, I know there are some record shops I've feel like have that pull in London and I felt like Yo-Yo Records in Hackney had the same same pull like just tiny shop and it felt like everyone in there just knew exactly every record every story behind every record but weren't too like pushy about it and I think when you have that kind of feeling where it just kind of is right you want to spend all your money in it totally (laughs) you know I had that with Sounds of the Universe as well. So, yeah, 
record shops are a key to the culture of music, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wicked. I think that leads us nicely on to your third record. What's the third track you're going to be sending up to space? This one is Destination Unknown by Sly and Robbie. I believe it's from an album called A Double Experience. Came out in about, I think it's 86, but don't hold me to it. I bet it's, it's definitely the 80s. A, f- a really good friend of mine gave me a copy of this for my birthday a couple of years back. And it just seemed like a such a different take on dub, on the dub that I know anyway, and the, and the dub that I love. And, you know, throughout, throughout the album, they're tricking the listener at times. So the record is skipping. There's incredible use of effects, you know, in the studio, using the mixer, the mixing desk as an instrument, incredible scenes. And I would happily recommend this record to anyone, like a buy on site kind of album. I really luckily got to see Sly and Robbie perform at the Barbican and I went with my parents and and it sticks in my head because, you know, like for a moment I could just imagine being by their side as they danced the night away, like back in the eighties, like different sound systems around London. And I just really love this album for that. And thank you to Rab for buying it for me because I wouldn't have stumbled across it otherwise. And, and actually, you know, every time I put it on, I just, every time I'm like, this is, this is a wicked album, you know, might not be their best piece of work, but for me, I love it. That's wicked. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Seeing them at the Barbican must've been amazing. And with your parents, that must be such a like special memory of being in the crowd and then hearing that kind of in the flesh. So you went with your parents and then did they kind of speak about them as, as artists that they really liked after the gig or was it more just that you dropped in for the gig? My dad is, my dad's massively into, into dub and reggae and dancehall. And it's always regaling stories about the past, that sound systems and dances with my mom and his best mates and stuff. And so what was really nice is that they were performing and they were performing in the Barbican. And it, I think it was actually my birthday and we managed to get tickets to it. And so we went as a family and it's really dope. Cause I think I was, I was in my twenties. So it was like, you know, I was more of an adult and it was just nice to share this kind of past moment but you know in the present from stories that, that, that they had both told me in the past about going to see Josh Shaka or or Tubby or you know whoever it may be and, and so yeah I think that was what was unique about it and then I think afterwards maybe I, I, I don't know we went maybe went told me more stories about the days of sound system culture of the eighties and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. It just came them performing at the barbecue just came at the right moment in my life to see them live and with my parents and it, it just, it worked. And then it kind of like just fitted into this musical narrative of kind of my life and my parents a bit, I guess. So yeah. Yeah. And I guess those moments are really special because you just understand your parents more because in your younger self, maybe you 
had an idea about them being adults as a child you can't relate to them in the same way but then as you kind of grow up to be an adult yourself and like love dub and love the kind of music that they were into that must have been like absolutely amazing to sort of share that as an adult but with them definitely being able to kind of you know get in their shoes empathize massively different from when I was a kid and also I was quite I was quite angry at my parents because they you know they split up when I was quite young and I wanted them to be together and and that wasn't going to happen and it was like it was just a nice familial moment you know even though my parents aren't together they're they're best mates and it's just nice to share something like that where they both felt comfortable and in their element because it kind of took them back to a time when they were dancing and exploring you know the dub scene and yeah definitely a unique moment and being able to be older and see that and see them enjoy themselves and stuff and remember stuff you know music is a great healer but it's also great for you know for reminding you about memories good memories bad memories whatever it may be it's a special tool of humankind that's for sure yeah it is indeed in terms of the music that's they're listening to now do you speak to them today about music and what they're into a bit my mum doesn't listen to enough music i kind of need to go around and like sort it all out and it's an ongoing battle but my dad is an avid music listener and he's always ready to tell me a story about a certain artist or a certain version of a track or rhythm or whatever and he's always more than happy to kind of regale a story of uh, days gone by about a certain a certain artist here or there a a lot of stories about Josh Shaka because I think that's one of my dad's favorite favorite dub artists but his his knowledge is pretty mad to be honest I'm not gonna lie both my parents come to come to my gigs when they can you know sometimes they're 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 just too too late but sometimes they're not you know my dad was there for my set at we out here and that was a it was really emotional moment for for some other reasons but it was really heartwarming to you know have him there and have my family there and kind of see this share this moment because I think it ended up being the best set that I've, I've I've played in my career, and it was really nice that they could that they could share that moment with me, you know, and 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 with my mom as well. When she can, she she always tries to come down and like and check out the gigs and have a chat with my friends and stuff like that. And I I think for a long time, you know, I struggled with making it successful and <laughs> making money from it and 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 showing that it wasn't just a fad and stuff and my parents were always like do what you can do what makes you happy but you also need to like earn a living and i'm not rich at all but you know i earn enough money from djing to get by and and that's the consistency and at times when they're like you might have to get a proper job and what they meant by that was a proper paying job that's paying each month and and stuff and it, uh, that's probably been the most difficult thing about being a dj is getting paid on time that is the singular biggest negative point of of being in this 
industry at least for myself is the kind of the financial anxiety and then consequently financial depression that comes from like having to chase money and being poor and having to borrow money off of friends because someone isn't paying you on time because they're you know there's just they're just not efficient and and i really don't think people understand the effect that it has on on people you know not getting paid on time and not being able to pay a bill or your rent or be able to take your partner out for a meal or on holiday or whatever it may be because you need to take this gig because you know the other person still hasn't paid you and it's two months down the line and you're like you're struggling to rub two pennies together it's it's hard but now now it has changed i would say in the last year and a half finally and getting some recognition as a DJ and just someone in the music community. I think I've been known for a while, but now it's kind of coming a bit more together. And it's been a really difficult road and it still is, but it's worthwhile chasing that dream because the dream will come true as long as you believe in yourself or believe in the dream, <laughs> even if you don't fully believe in yourself, believe in the dream and keep chasing it and, it and it and it will happen you're well on your way mate it's, it feels like you're yeah as you say just starting to get like proper recognition but yeah i've i've been following you for about a year and a half now and it felt it has felt like each month that goes by you've kind of stepped up a notch in terms of the bookings and opportunities that you get which is which is wicked so fingers crossed it keeps going that way yeah i think Charlie Dark gave me this brilliant analogy and he said, look, music career is like a flywheel, right? Get out to speed and then it's going to hold energy, right? It's going to be spinning really fast. You know, it, it holds that energy. And then you just need to hit it every once in a while, you know, just to keep it. Well, you just got to make sure that it's spinning because if you don't, if you let it stop spinning, it's really difficult to get it going again. Yeah, it's, it's just a case of, making stuff work for you i guess so that you can move towards what you want to in the near future coming on to your fourth track i think it's a good time to hear the fourth track you're going to be sending up in space what is that track oh that's a good one feeling kind of blue by dave owen brilliant producer from the states a lovely little liquid drum and bass track it takes me right back to my heydays of, of of dmb it's basically all that i listened to for for years and years and years like across the whole spectrum of the genre and dave Ohm was one of those producers that knew how to do liquid right this is from a label called influence records and it's also released stuff from another one of my favorite liquid producers who's called brother this track just it feels so effortless it just glides along and it reminds me of simpler times you know i not yet left to go to university running around the city and beyond you know having fun with my friends scheming about what the future entails and and yeah this is feeling kind of blue by dave owen might even be a little double bass sample in there who knows <laughs> in terms of the dmb scene were you going out and seeing dmb live were you going to parties or anything like that or was it more in headphones every single weekend in the week the weekend first started raving when i was about 14 i used to go to this spot which is now called the star of hackney wick or something like that but it was called the lord napier 
back in the day by the old entrance to Hackney Wick Station. Yeah, and I was going there for about 14 and a half and I was going on each weekend. We were checking out to, to drum and bass and then starting to like kind of like sneak into clubs. And my favourite was Herbal in Shoreditch, which is now called Hostel plus Bar plus Karaoke, unfortunately. But back then, it was a wicked, wicked little club. And yeah, saw many, many, many a good DJ there. Rough Stuff, Crust, Red Eyes. In fact, I got one of my first drum and bass records actually from going to Herbal once. They're like, oh, you're the 20th person in the club. Here you go, you get a copy of Red Eyes. And I was like, dope, you know, things like that. But yeah, and then, but I don't think I was even 18 at the time. And then, yeah, and then like, you know, going to Fabric at like 17, I think we went to the Chasing Status more than a lot album launch, which was actually wicked. I actually found out there was a lift in Fabric that night, you know, we <laughs> just got in it. There's a lift. There's a lift in Fabric, but it's only for staff and stuff. See, since then, I've been in it as a DJ, but like back then, which is what was the first time I was there, no one knew there was a lift in there, right? And then and then consequently, like the first couple of times afterwards, I couldn't find the lift because it was such a maze. But now, like I go around Fabric, you know, even not having been there for years, I stopped going for a really long time. And I'm only, you know, only in the last like two years or something like that, have I been going again. And, and now I know the, it's really weird. The club, I'm like, I know exactly where everything is. But back then, I, for some reason, thought it was a complete maze. But, but yeah, lots of I mean, of it is a complete maze. It is a complete <laughs> labyrinth. I don't know how anyone actually gets around. There is one bit that is, is really weird. Um, it takes you from, like, I don't know, room two to room three through some back way. And I've never been able to find it again. But it's legit. You can go just like it's normal, 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 like people revelers but yeah lots of drum and bass over the years used to go to a uh, rain uh, like obviously rain dance and moon dance at se1 and and v recordings takeovers at cable and used to go to like lightbox and area in south london and some mates at college through some parties and in like an oval and places like that and then when i went when i went to university and Ed's there, one of my best mates, and me being me, immediately sought out like what are the drum and bass nights in Manchester. So we started going regularly to the jump up night, and then we found the tech night as well, and we go to that. And then the people running the parties like recognised us, you know, because we were going all the time, and they were like, "Yeah, that nice one, lads." Like, like every every month without fail, you're like, you know, <laughs> and so that was nice. But yeah, all over the shop, travelled for drum and bass. Good times yeah man yeah that sounds like real dedication to to find the best nights i didn't actually know manchester had a big dmb scene but i guess it's always like bubbling away and there there must be a few promoters that are just consistently putting it on wicked i think that actually brings us on to the fifth and final track that you want to send up in space what is your fifth track Fifth track is Harlem River Drive by Bobby Humphrey. Um, this is a bit of a sentimental one here, um, but this this one will always remind me of like when, when my parents were still together. And I always remember them telling me the story of them going to see Bobby Humphrey at some small joint in the top of Chapel Market, which was just down the road from the flat that, that we lived in. Um, and it, it just brings a smile to my face and it makes me see this incredible relationship that my parents had together, you know, bound by this love of 
beautiful music um and the track itself is wonderful and the flute just glides over the rolling bass guitar and then you just have the ever so tight drums and it, it immediately transports you to the streets of 70s harlem such a wicked tune so yeah harlem river drive by bobby humphrey is my fifth and final track to send up into space So you heard about that track growing up kind of around Chapel Market, which is around Angel, right? Um, yeah, that's correct. North, inner North London, N1. Yeah, N1, exactly. And yeah, I can imagine like, yeah, that rolling bass guitar. Again, another another little bass bass note running through your tracks. The tune that you picked on the last last one, you said brings a brings a smile to your face and the relationship that your your parents had together. I mean, was that a track that you kind of heard with them and yeah why does it kind of bring back such fond memories for you yes heard it over the years because they're always playing it they they shared this they shared this love of jazz and this love of dub and reggae and my dad kind of my dad provided a lot of that but then my mom kind of did her own you know research and stuff and buying records and tapes and all of that and yeah we would listen to music you know on the hi-fi all the time and it's it reminds me of that because you know to be honest music is so was so important between my mom and my dad and it's so important in my life and it's the thing that kind of binds us together other than the fact that they are my parents and they birthed me but you know it's something that we can connect on these days in my adult years and yeah it just it just brings a moment of joy in my head my parents split up younger than they might have actually done or but I think it started when I was fairly young and I and I like you know I like having something that can remind me in my head as a kid the good times and this tune is definitely kind of one of those ones it just reminds me of a good time and and you need that you need that sometimes you need to just have something that's gonna put a smile on your face and and that, that track is definitely definitely one of them nice man I think that brings us to the end of our chat and time to send the tracks up to space on your cassette tape to this alien life force and i wondered how you thought the aliens were gonna receive your tracks like what they were gonna make of them and what they might learn what they learn is music it has the power of healing and it can help you remember things it can help you feel things it can help you convey messages or words that maybe you can't always say yourself at the time but at some point you know maybe you find the words but in the moment you can put whatever you need to say across through through music i think they find that bass in any form is is a very special thing be it the double bass the bass guitar or just the bass of like an 808 that's a special sound <laughs> frequencies you know and i think they'll find that music is is beautiful and that it's unique and it's a brilliant way to express oneself be it human or not amen to that completely agree wicked well yeah thanks Lou, for so much for coming on i've just really appreciated like your honest and open approach and just leaning into the tracks and and how they've influenced you because i just really got a, a proper sense of how the music has shaped you and how you are today and I just can't wait to see what's 
what's next really it really does feel like that when you're stepping into a space that's a next step up from where you are right now which is already great so yeah i'll be watching and cheering you on from the sidelines and and just from from yourself i mean is there anything that you particularly want to shout out at the moment yeah i got black wine club also got some music coming out. i got another track coming out on paloma recordings as a track for a compilation but other than that just you know if you want if you're interested in black wine club just go on blackwineclub.com and we're, we're running events to kind of to, to inform people of color about wine and and also we throw some great parties and you can listen to the radio show every monday from five to six on rinse fm <laughs> but that's the plug over yeah. <laughs> wicked well yeah thanks so much lou uh, for coming on the podcast and uh, yeah catch you then no problem man. thanks for having me thanks for the opportunity humans i hope you enjoyed that alien transmission if you'd like to hear more visit cosmiccassette.com or go to soundcloud where you'll find all of the episodes if you'd like to hear more from the mothership go to the website and sign up for the cosmic transmissions newsletter which will give you a fortnightly email with the podcast an incredible new music recommendation and a club night recommendation. I hope to see you again soon.